Howdy, folks. Welcome to A Green Way Forward, the weekly program where we look at issues and events specifically through the Green Party lens and the values of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. The entire point of this program is to both educate ourselves and also to help build the movements uh, to restructure our society according to those principles. On today's program, we're going to be speaking with Sarah Mansky, a longtime social change agent and an expert on blockchain. She is currently a PhD student at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Sarah Mansky, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Thank you. Happy to be so, here. Before we get in, I want to remind the viewers and listeners that you're, if you're watching live on uh, the live stream, please know that you can make comments and ask questions. And also, we encourage you to make sure to share this on your own timeline and other places as we build this audience. If you're listening to us on the podcast, uh, welcome. Remember that you can... Everybody can sign up at agreenwayforward.org so you can get announcements uh, about the various platforms. We're available on iTunes, we're available on Facebook, and we're continuing to build out those platforms as well. And with a hat tip to Gil Scott-Heron, we like to say, the revolution may not be televised, but it can be brought to you by non-corporately filtered and non-corporately controlled sources of information. And yes, we certainly recognize the the irony in using corporate technologies in order to subvert corporate capitalism, but what a better way to introduce the conversation around blockchain technology broadly than that bit of irony. With that, Sarah, I want to actually ask you to walk me and our viewers slash listeners through the very basic overview of the blockchain concept. Okay, so first off, Bitcoin and blockchain are different. Bitcoin is just the most widely understood application of blockchain technology, kind of like how Google is not the internet. Google is an application built on top of the internet. So blockchain allows the transfer of value between individuals without an intermediary, like a bank or a government or some third party. And so you imagine your traditional spreadsheet, you know, your Excel spreadsheet or any kind of data that in the blockchain is distributed among all the people who maintain the chain, right? So if I own some data about what members are uh, involved in my co-op, it's not just sitting on my computer, everybody in the co-op or everybody maintaining the chain, which could be more than that, would have access to that data because it would also be sitting on their computer and updated in real time. So every transaction from the very first transaction to the most recent that's been verified is all available to all the users in a decentralized fashion. So uh, that's actually very helpful to, to, to distinguish uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies from the blockchain technology itself. Let me make sure I've got this right. Uh, blockchain is a technology where you're sharing any sort of data without intermediaries, yes? Yes. And then uh, any cryptocurrency is a an application of blockchain technology specifically to the world of currency, yes? Yes. And then Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. Yes, for that 
blockchain called the Bitcoin blockchain. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Sarah, I'll let you know that uh, we have already gotten uh, our first comment. Uh, Jeremy writes in to say, oh, yummy, blockchains. I've been a proponent of blockchaining state-funded program, including SNAP, credit union blockchains, and others. So let me just ask you, is Jeremy onto something when he talks about uh, state-funded programs using blockchain? Well, absolutely. I mean, we could put voting on a blockchain and make it so it's not hackable. Um, As you know, there's a lot of problems with black box voting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I follow that a little bit, uh, Sarah, as you well know. So let's actually take a moment to really dive deeper into that. How might one be able, if you're voting on blockchain technology, how do you make sure that the ballot stays completely secret and yet people can st- still observe and see and verify uh, the accuracy of the results? Well, Uh, One of the criticism put forward by the State Department about Bitcoin is that it's a secret currency. You don't know who is passing one transaction to another because each individual who uses it gets what's called a wallet address. And it's just a long string of letters and numbers that is associated to you. It's your own private identifier. So each citizen could have a private identifier that is attached to them that allows them to vote. Um, Estonia right now is doing testing about on the blockchain with voting. So it's being actively used. Now, whether or not states will take this technology and use it to further democracy or not is an open question. Um, Some states are using blockchain technology to track and record all money given to people for food stamps, for instance which won't necessarily be a good thing that the state is monitoring what you're spending all, you know, your, your assistance money on. You know, one of the, your answer uh, reminds me that technology itself uh, is, can be appropriately used. It can be inappropriately used. It can, it can be used to further civil liberties. It can be used to, to undermine civil liberties. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in thinking that blockchain is neither inherently good or bad, but it's just a technology that we should better understand so that we can use it in a liberatory fashion? Or am I being naive or am I even thinking about it correctly? You are. And I would say, yes, it is um, can be used for both progressive ends or repressive ends. But I would say that it has tendencies and all technology has tendencies to be used in certain ways to either enable possibilities or constrain possibilities. And because blockchain technology was invented by anarchists to solve problems of state intervention, um, the way it was designed seems to attract people who would like to use the technology for liberatory ends. So obviously the state and corporations are using blockchain technology right now and trying to figure out how to cut off progressive possibilities. But at the same time, there's a large group of people trying to build a a global technological commonwealth using blockchain technology, trying to create progressive applications that democratize wealth and power. So we don't know yet. The, The, you know, the battle is on basically. 
Folks, you're listening and or watching A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. On this program, we look at issues and events specifically through the Green Party lens. Our, ho- our guest today is Sarah Mansky, a longtime social change agent and blockchain expert. Sarah, Arch writes in to ask, is the, quote, mining, end quote, that we hear about as it relates to Bitcoin inherent to all blockchain applications? And if so, do they count as some sort of intermediary? Mining is not inherent to all blockchain applications. Even the, the term mining was used by blockchain's creator, Satoshi Nakamoto, who we don't know who that is. It's some anonymous individual, but it was used and he admitted to appeal to libertarians because he thought he could get greater adoption by calling it mining, by calling digital transaction rewards, tokens, uh, coins. It kind of appeals to people who like gold. Um, there are applications or there are blockchains being built that have other ways to uh, maintain the chain, right? Mining is one way. Uh, I don't want to get too technical, but there's also proof of stake. There's proof of cooperation. There are other more environmentally uh, resilient ways of maintaining the information database. So before we go forward, Sarah, we're obviously not talking about mining in the way that my mind thinks about the the strip mine that I fought in Bastrop, Texas. Uh, What do we mean when we are talking about mining of Bitcoin or any other blockchain application? Right. So each transaction between individuals is cryptographically encoded. So essentially to... To prove that that was a valid transaction, a lot of computing power is put to work to solve a very complicated math problem. And the first, you know, computer or set of computers that solve that problem are rewarded with a digital token that's called a Bitcoin. Um, And that reward is supposed to incentivize people to continue to maintain the chain, to put computing power towards verifying transactions. Um, And so that is why you start to see all the, there's a global shortage on um, graphics cards because so many people now with the value of Bitcoin going up and up are trying to uh, get into this verification decryption of the blockchain transactions. So uh, that brings me to uh, Dina, who writes in to ask, is blockchain something that everyday people can put to work? And if so, how do we use it? Because after all, I don't have access to heavy supercomputers to solve these sorts of problems. So for somebody like me and Dina, uh, how could we or can we put blockchain technology to use? Right. So right now, blockchain is at the stage where it's not very user-friendly beyond technologists and coders. That, I think, will rapidly change within the next year because there are many people building applications that can kind of be the the intermediary between uh, this straight code and your intentions. Um, So right now, there are groups like uh, fair.coop, and Blockchain for Good, and various um, organizations with a group called Consensus. 
and they're building applications, it'll be much more user-friendly. So if you want to use blockchain, you'll probably end up using an application built by one of these progressive organizations. You won't be like straight into mining. So Sarah, I know you as a social change agent yourself. You're somebody who is trying to make the world a more fair, just, and ecologically sustainable space. So, and I also know that you're an academic uh, describing this phenomenon. So I'm going to push you uh, a bit to ask for your opinion slash advice. In other words, what liberatory potential do you see for blockchain applications in the hands of progressives or leftists? Well, I I think there's a lot. I mean... The decentralized nature will allow people to coordinate activity um, in ways that we can't even imagine right now. Um, I think some of the some of the friction that happens with organizing globally will will disappear through blockchain. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen yet, but I know that there are a lot of very brilliant technologists trying to make it happen and they tell me that it can happen can be done so i I trust that that they're right um i think the technology is um it's it does scare those in power to the point where the u.s government has a very active propaganda campaign to try to convince the american people that blockchain and bitcoin are only for criminals and I'll, I'll tell you, Sarah, I, I hate to just sort of be a reactive kind of person, but I'll admit to you that very statement, that is that the federal government is concerned or afraid of it and we're running a propaganda machine against it, tells me that I want to lean into it and learn a little more about it. Well, yeah, plus the fact that most of the big bankers on Wall Street will also tell you that it's They'll tell you in the same speech that on one hand, it's a joke. And on the other hand, it's going to destroy everything. Right. So, so let, let me push harder then and ask a very pointed question. You, I mean, you know, my politics and certainly my viewers and listeners do. So my question is to put it another way. Can I slash other people figure out how to use blockchain technology in order to undermine the economic system known as capitalism, where everything is privatized and all things are commodified and the natural world is basically put up for sale. Is this technology something that we can use to create completely new economic systems? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you will find that a lot of the friction we're running into now are put in place by corporations in the state and we'll be able to use the technology to get around them. If people want to learn more in depth about all the different applications they can go to a place like the p2p foundation they have great information where they talk about all the different things people are building and ways it's being used um so yeah i would i would recommend going there for more information uh but also there's just off the top of my head there's applications being built that will you know facilitate uh remittances uh, without fees, it will facilitate blockchains enable automation in a way that is kind of hard to even imagine, but they it removes the necessity for anybody to do any kind of verification. So like accountants, bankers, attorneys, um, 
intermediaries between transactions. Now, they will be bad for the people who currently hold these positions because they'll be out of a job, most likely, but good in the sense that it will reduce a lot of the cost to organizing cooperatively uh, on a very large scale, I think. Folks, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Sarah Mansky, longtime social change agent and blockchain expert. Uh, Sarah, you've been talking a little bit about uh, some of the liberatory potential that you see for blockchain. Uh, I want to now ask, what are some of the threats that might undermine the potential use of blockchain for the good? Well, sure. Um, You know, as technology is being built, certain design choices are made, and those design choices tend to become embedded in it. And choices that um, may cut off progressive potential. So right now, uh, governments are frantically trying to figure out how to regulate it um, to get rid of that aspect of uh, anonymity to make everything under government control and remain siloed. Um, corporations like Facebook and Amazon are trying to figure out a way to create internal currencies that are specific to that corporation. So when you build an application for Facebook, you get paid in Facebook coin. And if you want to do advertising, you have to pay in Facebook coin. And um, so there's issues around, are we going to be dealing with a million different private corporate currencies, right? Um, corporations and the state also through blockchains also um, like enable the internet of things to really take off. And the internet of things is where you have a, a, like a tiny microchip that's connected to the internet embedded in all material objects, like your table, your chair, your coffee cup, everything. So right now the state can track your, and corporations can track your movement, your behavior through your smartphone. If you carry it around with you, but you can imagine what would happen if they, everything, your clothing, everything you were wearing and doing was available for either to advertise to you through corporations or the state to know where you are and what you're doing and saying at all times. Um, the way, what, what is powerful for me is that if technologists who are the, who are the ones who are deciding what kind of world they're actually building with this technology and the pathways that it will take. If they are interested in partnering up with the global cooperative movement, that is going to be more powerful than anything a corporation or a state could try to do to restrict the technology. Uh, Sarah, April writes in to ask, first she states, all things on the internet are susceptible to hacking and all things online will be hacked eventually or have a backdoor. So is it possible to hack a blockchain application as Bitcoin was in the past? Well, you can hack the applications being used to make something more user-friendly, but you can't hack the blockchain itself. You'd have to turn off the internet, essentially. Or um, there's what's called a 51% hack, but that's not going to happen. And I can get into it, but it's very technical. But the blockchain, because it's, a copy of it is held by all users or maintainers. Um, You'd have to change every single copy on all the computers, which is almost impossible. 
the hacks that you hear about are the exchanges where somebody will build, build some software for people to convert U.S. dollars into Bitcoin or vice versa. And so those are absolutely hackable. Um, but they, nobody ever is able to hack the chain itself. So Mike writes in to ask if, if you, Sarah, are familiar with Hashgraph and the claims that Hashgraph is a superior technology to blockchain. I've heard that. I've also heard that uh, there's a technology called Holo that's superior. Um, I haven't seen any proof yet, right? So I'm, I'm open-minded as to somebody coming out with something superior. I don't know superior how, you know, it just depends on what type, type of problem you're trying to solve, I guess. Folks, a reminder that you're listening and watching A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with blockchain expert, Sarah Mansky. I want to remind you that we are using a kind of version, or at least conceptually, trying to build an audience and build a network of people without intermediaries. And if you'd like to join uh, our network, please go to the website, a greenwayforward.org and sign up there. We'll keep you apprised weekly of our upcoming guests. We'll let you know about special videos and audios that you can get uh, by being a participant uh, in our non-intermediary allowed uh, mechanism that we're building here on A Greenway Forward. Sarah, I know that you are uh, preparing to go to Puerto Rico uh, for Blockchain Unbound the conference and presenting some of your research. I'd love to give you an opportunity uh, to share a little bit about that. And I'm especially interested because, of course, Puerto Rico is a place where predatory capitalists are converging. And yet we know that there is also an effort to, uh, to counter that and recreate Puerto Rico in a different way. So tell us a little bit about Blockchain Unbound and why specifically Puerto Rico. Okay. Well, Puerto Rico is unique in that it is owned by the United States, but doesn't belong, or sorry, belongs to the United States, is owned by the United States, but is not a part of the United States. And so Puerto Rico really lacks sovereignty. And my talk at Blockchain Unbound in San Juan is going to be about sovereignty in a blockchain world. And blockchain technology will bring about a different sovereign future. It's unclear, as we were talking earlier, who will actually take advantage of this to expand their sovereignty, which is essentially who has the legitimacy to make the rules? Who, who decides? And in our, in our lives, you know, we live, whole, many people in the United States in a democracy where the pe people are supposed to be sovereign. But we spend a lot of our lives online in digital spaces that are almost all completely undemocratic, right? They're corporate sovereigns. We may be sitting at a desk in a, in a corporation, in a building. But, so we're in that particular corporation sovereign space. And what, what my goal, I think, in Puerto Rico is to tell those people there who have a real desire to rebuild Puerto Rico and the means to do it. They're very wealthy. Um, that it's important to, when thinking about how to help the people of Puerto Rico and how to build this new world, to make sure that everything you build builds power, builds sovereignty for communities, 
and that Puerto Rico becomes a place that is resilient in that blockchain applications are built to enable local food systems to thrive, local energy systems, uh, local democracy and voting. Um, you know, everything that we want to see and um, we really need to use blockchain to restore humanity sovereignty, uh, to bring out the best in all of us. And I feel like it's not, you know, it's not just the left that realizes there's something really wrong going on in the world. Um, there's a huge, there's a very large group of the, you know, capitalist class that also see that there's something really wrong in the world. And for people who are doing world building work, they're really drawn to blockchain technology. I mean, that's what draws me to it. You know, Thomas Paine said, we have it in our power to build the world again. And for the first time, there's a technology that really has the potential to make that happen in a way that um, we haven't had that kind of tool before. So it's very important to, to take advantage of that. So, Sarah, this idea of building the world anew, I mean, uh, to move and apply this technology in cooperative uh, ways uh, makes our executive producer, Michael O'Neill, uh, want to uh, uh, weigh in. So, Michael, I'm going to invite okay. you uh, to ask Sarah a question. Hi, Sarah. Thanks, David. So, Sarah, for anyone who's interested in co-ops, right, from small-scale worker self-directed enterprises all the way up to, you know, larger internet platform co-ops, is your suggestion to them that they should be looking into blockchain, that this is this is the leading edge and, you know, that, that's 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 your recommendation is everyone needs to kind of get on board with this and start taking a look at it and it, it absolutely okay. absolutely yeah definitely um this is this is where you should be looking and there are there are various organizations you can look to one is fair.coop f-a-i-r.coop um and i what i've been contacted by by various venture capitalists who are really interested in putting some money and using blockchain to help cooperatives build. So that's very exciting to me because I, I hope that in the future, it'll be, you know, just as easy as like pulling up an app and saying, okay, I'm going to make a cooperative and, you know, using the technology in a way that um, doesn't have such a steep learning curve as it does right now. You know, that's a good point, because as you may know, Sarah, I, I am engaged in helping to build an organization called Cooperation Humboldt, where we're attempting to prove that we can meet all of our needs without exploiting or oppressing anyone, without allowing anybody to exploit or oppress us, and that we can do it in an ecologically sustainable way, because the, the, the technology to be able to do all of those things is apparent, and it's here. One of the things that I've discovered as a lawyer is it is so easy to form a traditional for-profit corporation. And currently under California law, it's a bear to create a, a co-op uh, under California law. So this notion of simplifying uh, the, the way of creating a cooperative world and block, uh, blockchain technology as a way to do transactions, I will confess it's got a lot of appeal to me, especially as I'm going through this experience 
uh, of sort of learning cooperate or uh, the the co-op law uh, as opposed to the capitalist law, uh, at least in California. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that's exciting about it is once you create the blockchain, it really can't be turned off or shut down. Um, so that is part of the appeal for a lot of people to Bitcoin, that it really is outside of state control, outside of banking control. Um, people are creating a decentralized blockchain-based internet that will theoretically be um, regulation very difficult to regulate or shut down. Well, Sarah, the the time has just absolutely flown by. I do want to give an opportunity for you to share any final closing thoughts or words, uh, including uh, any place you want to recommend that our viewers and listeners go for additional information or uh, to know more about your own research. Sure. Well, if people want to contact me, they can go to my website. It's sarahmansky.org or sarahmansky.com. And... um, if you're a blockchain researcher or scholar, you can go to the International Society of Blockchain Scholars, which is blockchain.eco, ECO. Um, I would just encourage all your listeners to find out more information. Don't just read the New York Times articles about Bitcoin and go seek out information and definitely try to use this revolutionary technology for ends that will be liberatory and, you know, make us all live in a better planet. Well, I want to thank you, Sarah Mansky, for joining this program and sharing your thoughts uh, on blockchain technology and your expertise. I want to thank Michael O'Neill, our executive producer, who makes this uh, very program and podcast happen. But most importantly, I want to thank you, the viewer listener. Our audience continues to grow. We get between three, five, we've had up to 10,000 people Uh, we know that are actually participating in this effort to engage in self-education where we're educating each other and and democratizing media itself, democratizing information as we try to build a peaceful, just, democratic, and ecologically sustainable future for ourselves, the world we so richly deserve and so desperately need. I want to conclude by once again asking you, please go to the website, agreenwayforward.org, and sign up so we can be in touch with you and you can be in touch with us. Peace.